0: Welcome in. It is Monday. I hope you had a great Super Bowl weekend, Super Bowl Sunday. Chiefs fans certainly did. A good football game yesterday out in Phoenix. Chiefs win 38-35. A little bit of a controversial call, obviously, at the end of the game. And uh, you heard what James uh, Bradbury said. Yeah, I, I held on. Uh, to Juju Smith-Schuster, so he admitted, yes, but he thought he could get away with it. He did not, and that stole the drama from the end of the game, but still, overall, I think a pretty darn good Super Bowl, Parker Thune.
1: It was a really good Super Bowl, Steely. I, I tweeted out with probably seven or eight minutes left in the game, this is already the best Super Bowl since the 28-3 to game back in February of 2017, and Look, It was a classic battle between two quarterbacks who played near-flawless football games, and you can make the argument that, yeah, Patrick Mahomes was wearing the ring at the end of the night, but he might not have been the best quarterback on the field. That honor might have gone to Oklahoma's own Jalen Hurts, and I know a lot of people are going to scrutinize the fumble that helped swing the momentum in favor of Kansas City there briefly in the second quarter. Philly fights back. They stake themselves that double-digit lead, but in the end, You just tip your cap to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, man, because they have been inevitable over the last five years. It has been the most difficult thing in professional football to knock this team off. And Philadelphia came very, very close last night. The holding penalty is one that's going to be talked about for a long, long, long time. I wanted to see Jalen Hurts get the ball back, too. I think it was the correct call regardless. And it's just unfortunate that we didn't get to see Jalen Hurts in the biggest moment of his life with a chance to go down the field and try to tie and or win the Super Bowl. But you can't take much away from the performance that he turned in.
0: No, he was tremendous, 27-38, 305 yards, a touchdown, no picks, three rushing touchdowns, so he accounts for four TDs. As you mentioned, he did have the disastrous fumble. Or Philly may have been in a position where they weren't going to lose the game. They would have been up maybe 31-7 at halftime, but uh, again, it was a very costly turnover right there. Patrick Mahomes wins Super Bowl MVPs, got two regular season MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs, so many accolades in the five years he started. Patrick Mahomes is building quite the resume, but uh, Super Bowl victory for four Sooners: Creed Humphrey, Orlando Brown, Blake Bell, James Winchester. They get a ring again and again. The Chiefs win the game 38-35 uh, yesterday out in Phoenix. Let's hear from Jalen Hurts after the game. Obviously, a despondent, but also uh, pretty thankful for the Eagles' great season as well. And
2: I think um, you want to cherish. You want to cherish these moments. You want to cherish these moments with the people that you come so far with, you know, um, your family, uh, your loved ones, your teammates, your peers, everyone that you, you do it with and do it for, you know, and uh, I'm so proud of this team, you know, I will say I'm so proud of this team for everything that we've been able to overcome. Um, obviously we had a, a big time goal in the end that we wanted to accomplish and we came up short, you know. I think the beautiful part about it is everyone experiences different pains, everyone experiences different um, agonies of life, but you decide if you want to learn from it. You decide if you want to use that to be a teachable moment, and I, I know what I'll do.
0: There you go, and that is our OrthoCentral clip of the day. Ortho Central with clinics in Norman, Midwest City, and now a brand-new Tri-City location serving Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. These full-service clinics treat orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. And I think we know this, Jalen Hurts has gone way beyond proving himself as a top-flight NFL quarterback. If he hadn't uh, dinged up that shoulder late in the season, he might have been the most valuable player in the league, and I think Philly fans feel pretty good, well, as good as Philly fans can feel after they uh, pretty much rioted last night, but uh, Jalen Hurts has an unbelievable NFL future, and I don't know if many of us thought that was going to be the case,
1: right? I certainly did not, Steely, I'm not afraid to say it. I I didn't believe that Jalen Hurts was going to be a long-term starter in this league, and as it would turn out, he's going to be a long-term starter, and he may end up being a pretty dang good one. You think he gets back to a Super Bowl? you think this is the last time we see Jalen Hurts on that stage? Yeah,
0: I think he'll get back to one. I mean, uh, they're certainly going to be in the mix uh, next year and for the future. You know, the, the thing that surprised me also last night was as good as their defense has been at getting after the quarterback, they didn't touch Patrick Mahomes. Now, some of that is his escapability. And then even when we thought he had the bum ankle, he took off on the long uh, scramble. Uh, You know, credit to Creed Humphrey and Orlando Brown and the rest of that offensive line. But, yeah, I think he'll get back. The the strange thing is, though, there's certainly no guarantee, man. No, You you think and, you yeah, surely he'll get back there. Maybe that's his only shot. But if I had to bet, I would say get back to one.
1: I'm a firm believer that Jalen Hurts is going to get his Super Bowl title at some point in time because, A, I mean, you heard it right there in that soundbite. All right. The guy, if there's one person that knows how to move on from circumstances like this and handle adversity and come out stronger on the other side, it's Jalen Hurts. He's, right? pr- so he's probably working times. out
0: right now starting for next season. If they've landed yet, wherever they land, Jalen Hurts is probably already in the weight room or something,
1: right? He's that kind of guy. And there have been so many times over the course of his football career to date where he's just gotten kicked repeatedly where the sun don't shine. You know, you think about 2016. He's a true freshman at Alabama, takes over that starting job in week two, takes them all the way to the national championship game, and they get upended by a team of destiny in Dabo Sweeney's Clemson Tigers. The following year, he gets benched for Tua Tungvaluwa in the national championship game, and it's Tua that's the toast of the nation after Alabama's comeback victory, not Jalen Hurts. He rides the bench the following year. Then he gets his opportunity at Oklahoma and turns in a season that really any other year in the history of college football would have been good enough to win the Heisman Trophy, but he doesn't win the Heisman and he doesn't advance to the national championship game because of the same man, Joe Burrow, again, LSU, Team of Destiny that year. He goes to Philly. He's the backup. He's There's not really a plan in place for him to be the starter. Philly drafts him as, well, <laughs> as plan B to Carson Wentz. Because at the time, they still believed in Carson Wentz being the future of their football organization. He emerges as the starter halfway through his rookie year. And by year three, he's playing for a Super Bowl. I think what was evident last night, again, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs, team of destiny. What Patrick Mahomes did on a high ankle sprain over the last three games of this football season, you cannot take away from him and you cannot diminish the greatness of what he and that team accomplished. So Jalen Hurts, through no fault of his own, has come out on the wrong end of so many of these situations in the past, and he's never let it deter him. He's going to get up to the mountaintop at a certain point. In time. Guy's a
0: winner. Guy's a winner, and he works his tail off. He's going to continue to do that. And again, uh, the, the only uh, real miscue last night, obviously, was the fumble, which changed the momentum of the game. And the Chiefs win the game thirty-eight thirty-five. All right. What about all the accoutrements with the Super Bowl last night? Chris Stapleton, Rihanna. Did you get fooled by the Tubi commercial?
1: Oh, that's what that was. I looked over. I was. A I lot was...
0: of people apparently get fooled, and we're
1: looking for the remote. Who's
0: sitting on the remote? What's going on?
1: <laughs> oh man. You know what? Yeah, Super Bowl commercials are progressively kind of more and more of a
0: letdown you know, as the years go I by. Don't, I used to pay attention. It was like, you don't even leave the couch. Maybe you finally uh, take your break at halftime for, you know. But, you know, you want everybody to tell you what the commercials were. I really don't pay that much attention to them anymore. I really don't. I thought Chris Stapleton was unbelievable. I'm not a big country guy, but I thought he was – amazing i give that a 10 out of 10 i I'd give rihanna about a seven five i like rihanna but i don't know it was i mean she's got a good repertoire of songs there's no doubt but i don't know seven five
1: b minus what do you think i mean look I have long been of the opinion that the best two Super Bowl halftime shows in history came in back-to-back years, Prince in 2007, Tom Petty in 2008, and nothing has ever held a candle to it since. People have all their own opinions, and I tweeted something last night about how Rihanna's performance was underwhelming, and a whole bunch of people got on me cuz you know that's what happens on Twitter when you have an opinion. Is that
0: Well, pe- pe- Particularly with something that subjective. It's like art, man, right? One person loves a Jackson Pollock painting, and one person thinks it's absolute trash. But, uh, you know, it it was an entertaining halftime. didn't blow me away. You're right. Everything, to me, still uh, judged by the Prince standard falls short. Mm -hmm. I did like Tom Petty. I'm a lot more old school. I thought last year's Super Bowl with all the rappers, the MCs up there, was great. Uh, But, you know, Rihanna wasn't bad, just didn't blow me away. I did think Chris Stapleton was great, though. That was good stuff. All right, what do we have planned today? We have uh, John Williams coming on at 1235. John's going to join us, and we're going to talk Sooner Sports, a little basketball, jump into some football as well. That's going to be coming up on the Riverwind Casino Hotline at 1235. Looking forward to that. Uh, John does a tremendous job, and uh, will be joining us again Uh, on the Riverwind Casino Hotline, Sooner's Wire, Locked on Sooner's podcast host. He'll be joining us at 1235, and Jesse Crittenden, Norman Transcript Sports Editor, will join us to talk some Sooner sports as well coming up at 1 o'clock today, 1 o'clock. Thanks to Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, bringing you our number one here on Steelman & Thune on the Ref Radio Network, 405-579-3113. For Lasher Home Comfort Systems, we'll get to your text today as well. Stay with us. How bad is Ohio basketball? Reminds me of a George Thorogood song, "Bad to the Bone." We'll talk about that coming up next. The time is panic time.
1: <laughs> oh boy, I was interesting to see, I was interested to see how you would phrase that one because. Man. So bad. Oh, it's rough, Steely. It is. This is the
0: worst season of Oklahoma basketball since the uh, 2011-2012 season, right? When the Sooners, or 2016-2017, actually with Lon Kruger, they were 11 and 20. So uh, 2016-2017, they had a stretch. Back in uh, starting in 2009 through 2012, and keep in mind, 2009 is right after the 31 year with Blake Griffin when they had that incredible season for Jeff Capel. But then after that, they went 13 and 18 with Jeff Capel, they went 14 and 18 with Jeff Capel, and then uh, when Lon Kruger came aboard in his first season, they went 15 and 16. But man, Porter Moser, this is a major struggle going on right now. And they were 19 and 16, missed the NCAA tournament uh, last year with the loss to Kansas Saturday. They're 12 and 13. They have six regular season games left. Uh, K State tomorrow night at home, ESPNU at eight o'clock, and then uh, Saturday they go to Austin, one o'clock tip on ESPN Plus. But Oklahoma again, if you look at the schedule, and again Tech just beat Kansas State in Lubbock over the weekend, so I, that's certainly not a guarantee that Oklahoma will beat Tech at home. But I would say you're looking at something like 13-18 and 18 and 3-15 and 15 in the league. And Oklahoma basketball should never be that bad. They should never be that bad. Well,
1: Oklahoma basketball should also never lose to Sam Houston State at home. But that opening happened game, in the opening yeah. game of the season. Yeah. So maybe we should have seen this coming.
0: Yeah, and uh, four-game conference losing streak now. Porter Moser was asked afterwards. Kansas beat Oklahoma down 78-55. to uh, really, you know, Sooners got out to a 7 nothing lead, but ended up only scoring 22 points in the first half, trailed 35-22, that big run 14-2 to by the Jayhawks over the last five and a half minutes. And then down the stretch, man, it was, it was a no contest. It was an embarrassment. Porter was asked right now if, uh, you know, this conference losing streak and what they're going through now changes some of the long-term goals.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm constantly trying to tinker to find things way. We've tried some, you know, we, we've, we've moved to Otega in the lineup. We're trying to get some young guys playing with, with playing Joe and Otega. You're going to live with, through, through some things. Um, the, the master plan, no. I mean, it, my, my, my goal is, is, is to build this culture up. I know in the off-season you need to build your roster up, but right here, you're, I'm, I'm talking, I'm trying to, I just met with Otega, trying to talk to him about some things. they are teaching moments that I'm trying to teach these young guys. It not have anything to do with anything long-term, or uh, you know, this matchup. Every Everything we're doing now is for both. Short-term and long-term to understand, you know, pouring into some of the young guys. We're starting two true freshmen. I really want those guys to be guys that we're pouring into. Yeah, I, I don't even think like that. I'm thinking I'm constantly trying to figure out ways to win right now. Right now, but also build the culture. Habits, culture, the way we do things here. I'm not trying to do a short-term thing. I'm trying to do things that you know, that's, that's why I was really frustrated that our defense dictated our offense and vice versa because, I, I, I'm, trust me, I look at myself first. When that, that offense got stagnant, all right, we're trying to talk about movement, but it became contagious with the turnovers. Those are things long-term we're trying to teach them.
0: Sometimes watching the Oklahoma offense will put you to sleep. And it was that way, certainly in the second half of that Kansas game. And they came out of the halftime locker room, made another run, and then all of a sudden Kansas came right back, and boom, it was it was over with. And, you know, the thing is, I, I said this last week, and I still believe it, I don't think Porter Moser will be at Oklahoma next year. I don't think it'll be an OU decision. A Joe C's not that kind of guy. I think they would give him another year to see what happens And I still think he's a good basketball coach, but this hasn't worked. It isn't a good fit. This conference is so far ahead of Oklahoma right now in terms of the athletes they have. I think, and another thing, these coaches, I know that Porter wants to build a culture here. But the the shine is coming off Porter Moser's uh, reputation with every single loss. And Notre Dame might be the place where he can, you know, go save his reputation and have an easier job. Do you
1: hold out for two more years, though, knowing that you're going to move from the Big 12 to the SEC? I don't know,
0: man. Do you see this team getting much better next year, you know, in the Big well, 12?
1: That's that's the uh,
0: issue. No, no, I know. Like don't. I said, Porter Moser goes from a really hot commodity, and when, when Oklahoma hired this guy, everybody thought home run, but it just hasn't worked out so far. I'm not saying the guy can't coach. Clearly he can, but something is not working. And a lot of that, again, you've got to get better athletes. But I really believe that um, if you ask me, I think that Porter, Porter would be at Notre Dame next year. Does, That's my thought.
1: Does somebody need to show up to the Griffin Center with a truckload of live chickens? Is that is that what needs to happen to get Oklahoma to play basketball the way that they played it against Alabama a couple weekends ago?
0: That was the crazy. game We need to make some ever. more sacrifices here. I can't believe they scored, what, 93 in that game to win that game against Alabama, a team that loves to get up and down the court. You know?
1: On the text line, Kendall says, who's Oklahoma going to get that's better than Porter Moser? And I think... That's the question any time you're having a discussion about moving on from a coach, whether voluntarily or involuntarily, right, is, okay, who do you bring in that's going to be on Porter's level? And, again, Porter's a really good basketball coach. He had Loyola freaking Chicago on the cusp of playing for a national championship back in April of 2018. That doesn't happen by accident. You have to be good at your job to win the way that he did at a school like Loyola Chicago. But, man, at what point do you just are you just left scratching your head wondering if something just doesn't add up here, if maybe both parties would be better off going a different direction?
0: <laughs> OU's men's basketball makes me think of another George Thorogood song, I Drink Alone.
1: <laughs> yeah, with nobody else. Mm, sorry. mm <clears throat> Uh, somebody said hire Patty Gasso. That,
0: that, there you go. I mean, maybe it's Kellen Sampson. Maybe it's Grant McCaslin. Maybe it's Paul Mills. Maybe it's somebody else. But sure, I think- sometimes the fit is not right and the timing's not right. Howard Schnellenberger won a national championship, did a tremendous job at Louisville, was a disaster at Oklahoma. Now, a lot of that was because of buffoonery and his ego. Sure. And I don't think Peter Porter has either of those. I think he's a good coach, but it's just not working out so far. And like I said, if you're Porter Moser, man, you're human. You're thinking, man, I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to stay here, but man, I, you know, this isn't uh, quite maybe the job I thought it was. And I don't think you thought it was going to be easy. But sometimes coaches, they want to save their reputation as well. And it's quickly the arrows pointing down right now.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm a firm believer that you don't make change just for the sake of making change. But I'm also a firm believer that if this season continues along its current trajectory, the narrative in the public eye at season's end is going to be who could we hire that would be any worse? Like that's quickly the that's how fast things are spiraling out of control right now for OU basketball. They're awful. They're just bad. There's no two ways about it. There's no sugarcoating it. I don't know what happened at the Lloyd Noble Center two weeks ago against the Alabama Crimson Tide. But that performance is not reflective of what and who this basketball team actually is.
0: Yeah, and I think just so much of this is they have completely lost confidence. Whenever another team goes goes on a run and starts uh, making it more difficult for them, they, uh, they've they lost so much confidence by losing all these close games, and now it's like their basketball soul has been taken from them, in my opinion. And, again, all you got this week is Kansas State – Again, another ranked team. Eight o'clock on ESPNU Tuesday night. Saturday at Texas. Um, One o'clock on ESPN Plus. So again, people are talking about Hollis Price. Also, you know he's done a great job at Houston. They've done a tremendous job there. All I know is I, I don't know if there has been worse morale from the fans for OU basketball in a long time. I got a text from a buddy of mine who's a Kansas fan who was at the game, and this is how it read: Oh boy, this morning. So, sitting in the LNC Saturday, I didn't realize the animosity was so high towards Moser. Several fire porter chants got started, albeit just a group of fans and not the whole arena, but I couldn't believe it. So, apparently, there were some of those going on during the game.
1: Kendall said, give me Jay Wright or Billy Donovan. Yeah, because Jay Wright left Villanova and retired so he could take the Oklahoma job. That makes a lot of
0: sense. Yeah, I, look, I think Jay Wright's done because I don't think he likes the direction of college basketball right now. And look, Billy Donovan's an NBA guy now, period. So <laughs> You're not
1: I, getting Billy Donovan to leave the Chicago Bulls to take a job at Oklahoma. You're just not. Oklahoma basketball is not the same commodity that Oklahoma football is. True that.
0: All right, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. And, again, uh, the Sooners uh, right now, again, you look at the remaining schedule of the six games left on uh, the docket right now, and the only game they'd be favored in is that Tech game at home. And, again, that's not going to be a total pushover to win that game. Um, so it's just uh, Sooner
1: basketball fans are so frustrated right now. Doug and Norman on the text line says, Oh, you will lose Tanner Groves and Jalen Hill. We will return Sam Godwin and redshirt Luke Northweather. Our two recruits for next year are a slim 6'7 and 6'5. No bigs in sight unless we score big in the transfer portal. Now, here's the question I have What is the retention rate going to look like this season to next? Because Tanner Groves is done, he can't come back. Everybody else can. But I can tell you right now, Steely, not everyone else will. And to me, the litmus test as far as the belief in Porter behind closed doors within the locker room at Oklahoma is whether Jalen Hill comes back or not. Because Jalen Hill is a Sooner Through and Through, the only remaining scholarship player from the Lon Kruger era. He's stuck with Oklahoma through turmoil. He's been a key cog for this program over the last three seasons in particular. He's got one year left. If he decides that he wants to take that year and go somewhere else, I think that's a pretty damning indictment of where the program stands. No doubt. And what's,
0: what's going to happen with Milo Suzan? What's going to happen with Otega Owe? What's going to happen with C.J. Noland? They're going to lose some players. There is no doubt about it. They're going to lose some players, and maybe quite a few. So 405-651-3439, 405 405-651- 651 Thirty-four, thirty-nine in the Air Comfort Solutions Tax Line. All right, break time right here when we get back. John Williams is going to join us. Sooner's Wire, Locked On Sooner's Podcast. We'll talk Oklahoma basketball, OU football in the SEC, and uh, maybe a little bit more about next season for Oklahoma football as well. All that coming up next here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the ref. That must mean John Williams is joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline on this marvelous Monday here in lovely Norman, Oklahoma, where the uh, temperature is currently a very perfect 61 degrees. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. John, how are we doing? John Williams, managing editor, Sooners Wire, also locked on Sooners uh, podcast on uh, the Riverwind Casino Hotline. John, how has Oklahoma basketball gotten this bad? What is going on?
3: It's really, really rough to watch. You know, it's a, it's an offense that Remoser has that can create open shots, especially from three at times, but the, the three-point shooting for the Sooners just isn't consistent enough to, to take advantage of that, and so then when they're not hitting from three and and then they go up against teams that have really good bigs like Oklahoma State does, like Baylor does, like Kansas does, and you're kind of locked out of the paint, it makes things really, really difficult offensively for this team.
1: John, where do you stand right now on Porter Moser and his status as Oklahoma head basketball coach? I don't think anybody is seriously having the hot seat discussion yet, but I think most everybody can acknowledge that, Uh, in year two, this is not what anyone hoped, what anyone imagined or what anyone wanted for Oklahoma basketball and there has to be accountability at some point how much of it falls on Porter.
3: Well, I mean, he's the head coach, so it's all gonna fall on him. At the same time, it's just a year two of his tenure. And I'm always of the mind that patience is is a virtue, especially after a coaching change that you got to give these guys a little bit of time, especially, you know, have a, have a couple recruiting classes on the college basketball front in particular, where they get guys in that, that are their guys that they're recruiting, that are the high school guys that are going to be the, the foundation, the building blocks of that program. And, you know, we've we've gotten one kind of full cycle out of them now, and, and now we've got some really good players that are becoming in the, in the future as well. So I think you got to give it a little bit of time. Now, if you're three, we're not starting to kind of see this turn the corner and, and just be a better product, then I think. I think then you can kind of start having those conversations but I still feel like it's a little bit too early. But it I mean it's it's hard not to look at what's happening right now and just and and not wonder if he's on the hot seat or not, you know, put some doubt as to his future in Oklahoma, but for me it's still a bit too early.
0: John Williams our guest, Sooners Wire managing editor, locked on Sooners podcast. All right, the announcement came out officially Friday that Oklahoma and Texas we're going to have one more year of Big 12 football, and then it's off to the SEC. What do you think Brent Venables has to do in this next season to ensure that his guys are going to be ready the moment they take the field in SEC competition?
3: I think just keep doing what they're doing. I think they're trying to build a physical and fast brand of football, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And those guys are coming. I mean, we've, we've seen flashes from guys like Jan Kanik. We've seen it from R. Mason Thomas that they've got juice. Uh, just get them on the field a little bit more. You know, now that they're going to be sophomores in their second year in the program, they'll see the football or they'll see the field a little bit more. We saw flashes from guys like Robert Spears Jennings. He only played 75 snaps last year, but I feel like that's a guy that's I think is going to take a step and be a significant part of the defense this next year. And so I think just keep building, you know, keep progressing, keep you know developing these guys, and, and continue to build that identity that you want to have a fast, aggressive, physical defense, and it's going to come. It's just a matter of time. You know, there's still a lot of turnover that's been going on in Norman with the with, on the defensive side in particular. And you know, given time, given you know the recruiting class that they just had in the 2023 cycle that you know had 10 uh, defensive blue chip prospects, according to 247 Sports, like they're building something. And we might not see the full fruits of it this year. I think we'll start to see. Some of that, we'll start to see some, uh, you know, some seedlings popping up out of the soil this year, and we'll see an improvement. But I really think that when the, you know, the 2022 class, they're the kind of the, the juniors on this team, and the 2023 class is the sophomores. That's when we'll really start to see that take take hold. It'll be that first year in the SEC in 2024 where we're seeing guys like, you know, our Mason Thomas, he's a veteran on this team, and Jaron Canick, he's a veteran, and Danny Stutzman is looking like a senior on this team. And, that that's going to be the foundation. I think they're on their way. It's just you know this is going to be the the next step in that development as a defense. John, if there's one
1: question surrounding this OU football team that reasonably can be answered in spring ball, that question is what?
3: Oh man, that the wide receiver depth is as good as we think it's going to be. Um, you have a lot of guys that are going to be kind of vying for snaps on the opposite of Jaleel Farouk. I feel great about Jalil Farouk. I'm bullish on him having a fantastic season in 2023, kind of as that do-it-all gadget guy. I think he's going to have 1,000 total yards for the Sooners of a rusher and a receiver. But who's going to be the guy on the other side of that? I think, you know, Drake Stoops is probably going to be your starter in the slot. Well, who's that wide receiver too? Who's the the other outside wide receiver? They've got a whole host of guys that could contribute a lot of snaps you know, at that position, but we don't know who that's going to be. They need to have somebody step up, especially given the fact that Marvin Mims, your big time deep threat is going to the NFL. You need somebody that can win, not just in the intermediate part of the field, but he can take the top off the defense a little bit, take some of the pressure off of Dylan Gabriel, let them hit some big plays because that was a huge part of their offense this past season was the big play. And if they don't have that element, it's going to shrink the field for them offensively. So they've got to find that guy. And I think that's probably the, the one area we can look at and we start hearing some drum beats start hearing some some buzz about one guy in particular really having a nice spring ball or spring camp and you know has a a nice spring game then we might feel much more comfortable about that I think the rest of it you know the offensive line questions I feel pretty satisfied that they're going to have an offensive line that they're going to be able to roll out there is going to put a really good showing on in 2023 uh, with the additions of Walter Rouse and Caleb Schaefer I think they've got a really nice group uh, so wide receivers, kind of the, that spot on the offense that I'm, I'm curious about, and then linebacker on the defense. You know, Danny Sussman's coming back. I think it's going to be great for him, and just his first full year starting. A lot of really good, you know, some areas where he's going to improve. Uh, but then you have a lot of young depth behind that, and so who are they going to be the guys that step up uh, to take over the you know the the weak side of the mic or however they want to deploy these guys. But you like the linebacker depth. You just got to see these guys take that step to, to take on significant roles in the defense.
0: John Williams, our guest, again, managing editor, Sooners Wire, also hosts uh, along with uh, Josh Helmer, the uh, Locked on Sooners podcast. Um, Jalen Hurts nearly won a Super Bowl yesterday, played very well, did have the one fumble. If he didn't ding his shoulder, you know, later in the season, he might have been the regular season MVP and not Patrick Mahomes. But did you ever expect that Jalen Hurts could ascend to this level in the National Football League?
3: I did. I was one of the people that really believed in the intangibles of Jalen Hurts, in particular the work ethic, that he was going to be a guy that could continue to build on what he'd done in Norman, in Tuscaloosa. You know, the guy that we saw in Norman wasn't the guy that we saw in Tuscaloosa, but he worked. You know, he he put the work in, put the effort in, built himself into an effective passer, and he's continued to take steps uh, on his progression to com- become a really good player. And, and he was. And yesterday he had a fantastic game. Some of the throws that he made were absolute dimes. And he put them in places that really only he, his guy was going to be able to get him that 45-yard bomb to A.J. Brown into double coverage. He put enough loft under, under it so that A.J. Brown could kind of position himself to get it. But it was going to be A.J. Brown or nobody else. And just a really, really great throw. Several others, one you know, to Dallas Goddard on both sidelines – Were fantastic throws, and so he's really, really developing into a passer, which is fantastic to see because we know the 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 legs are there, and that's going to be the thing that is going to continue to uh, hurt teams. You know, defensively, they're not going to be able to account for his legs, but now his passing ability is taking another step. That I mean, he's going to be really, really hard to stop. Um, Even as he ages, I know people are, are talking about how his running ability isn't going to be the same as he ages. Well, he's not the the speedster like a, a former Michael Vick or a Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's a, he's a physical player, more like a Steve McNair, who can continue to run the ball and run it with you know, physicality uh, even as he gets older. But, I mean, yeah, his passing development has been really incredible. But it's just the work ethic that he puts in, you know, or the work that he puts in. Every single offseason, he's showing that he can improve. And I, I don't have any doubts that he's going to take what he learned from this season and continue to improve.
1: John, you tell me which is more accurate. A, either the Arizona Cardinals know exactly who they're hiring to be their next head coach, and they just needed to wait for the Super Bowl to end to finalize the transaction, or B, the Cardinals are in panic mode, have no idea who they're going to hire, and Kyler Murray's ego and lack of coachability is exacerbating the
3: issue at hand. Hmm, That's a great question. I think the Cardinals... (laughs) I think they're going to have a plan. I mean, coaches want to be head coaches. You don't, you don't turn down jobs. Yes. Some guys have done that. Uh, Dan Quinn, you know, Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator. He, he turned, you know, turned away from that one, but he's done that the last couple off seasons was in the running for the Denver Broncos job last year and decided against it as well. So yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I think there's Arizona Cardinals have an idea of what they want to do there and I think they're going to get somebody that, that they like. Now, are people concerned about Kyler Murray? Possibly, but again, that's just that's a lot of rumblings. Um, what do the guys in the locker room say? You know, what do the former coaches say? You know, this is this is a guy that's played really high level football so far. Everywhere he's been, he's had some struggles off and on in the NFL, but he's still a really really good player. And anybody that has any sense to them is going to want to coach a really good quarterback, contract or not. Good GMs, good front offices are able to work around contracts. And don't let the the salary or the salary cap fool you. If the Arizona Cardinals want to make money or want to make room in the cap, they can make it happen. It's just a matter of accounting.
0: John, we appreciate your time. It's great having you on again. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.
3: Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Have a great day.
0: John Williams joining us, guys. Riverwind Casino Hotline. Riverwind, always a great time out at Riverwind Casino. Over 2,800 electronic games. All your favorite table games as well. Great poker room. Best bars and dining. World-class hotel. Best service. They've got everything. Get out and participate in the 75K Love to Get Away promotion. Now through February 25th, play with your wild card to earn points. And you could win now one of five grand prize awards of $5,000 cash. Five different patrons winning five thousand dollars cash each they'll have that drawing again february 25th they already gave away three travel vouchers to patrons on saturday worth ten thousand dollars each as part of the 75k love to get away promotion all kinds of other cash and bonus play prizes involved in the february promotions the mad dash for cash they are giving away ninety five thousand dollars in cash and bonus play in the month of february at riverwind They're great at everything out there. They're great at winning. They're great at the bars and dining, the promotions, concert, service, you name it. Riverwind is simply the best. All right, what Barry Switzer had to say about the Sooners in the SEC in the Tulsa world to Bill Haston, we'll get into that when we get back here on The Riff. Kind of surprising stuff. All right, we are back. It is the Monday edition of Steelman and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. OU softball starts out the season 5-0, and beating Duke, Liberty, Stanford, Washington, and San Jose State out of the Mark Campbell Invitational in Irvine, California. They get ready for the Getterman Classic in Waco this week, taking on Longwood College, the uh, home of former NBA player Jerome Kersey. Twelve thirty on Friday, Saturday, Stephen F. Austin at Austin at twelve thirty. Then a matchup with Army at five thirty Saturday, and a noon game against Baylor coming up in the Getterman Classic. So far, so good. Undefeated for the Sooner softball team. All right. So Barry Switzer in a story you may have seen it in the Tulsa World uh, yesterday with Bill Haston. and Bill's angle. You know, he was a lot about Barry Switzer and what he thinks about Oklahoma moving to the SEC. And Switzer said, "Quote." I am concerned I know what it'll look like. It'll look like we're playing Texas every bleaking week. You've got to be good. I don't know if we're good enough right now. We'll have to get better on defense. Bill wrote, on that side of the ball, Switzer stated OU has to recruit and develop athletes who look like Georges and Alabamas. Quote, it's going to be hard to do. Switzer said, I'm concerned. I want someone to raise their hand in a couple of years and say, I'm the one who took us to the SEC. I don't know who made the decision, how it was made, or who was involved. I think so that think that's one of the major ri- uh, reasons why Lincoln left. He wasn't involved, so he got the blank out of here. People say they don't like the way he left. How do you want him to leave? You want him to call the team together and say, hey, I'm quitting. This is my last game. Now let's go out there and play hard. You don't do that. Why is OU going to the SEC? Money. Why did Riley leave?
1: Money. The words... From Barry Switzer. Interesting. Intriguing. Very interesting. Now, somebody on the text line did say, when the Big 12 first formed, Switzer said Nebraska and Texas would dominate. Great coach, but not a great fortune teller. I'm not old enough to remember whether that's true or not.
0: Yeah, I'll take you his are word for it. it. Yeah, I'll but, take his word for it. But he's you know, he's always spoken of uh, Texas you know, as being... Maybe the best job in college football with all the resources, but uh, you know, for whatever reason they haven't been. Well, it would the be the best job
1: in college football if there was more org- organizational structure. There is not. There's a whole bunch of people with a whole lot of money that all want to have a say in every decision. That
0: you've gets got too many buddies from Friday Night Lights involved in the Texas football program, right? Sure. Too many of those kind of boosters. Um, here, Here is the thing that takes some of the uh, paranoia away or some of the worry away. 12-team playoff facts, you know? 12-team playoff. Bruce says Switzer also thought Blake was going to be a great coach for OU. Yeah, I mean, look, Barry Switzer is not perfect. I mean, he's still the king, but it was interesting to hear his opinions. And I think he's right. They've got to get better, clearly, on uh, defense. What does Switzer think he's doing? Is he trying to turn the fans against him? Those statements help nothing. I, I mean, he was asked a question, and he responded to it, I'm sure, from Bill Haston, and Switzer's not going to sugarcoat stuff. And he even uh, took up for mule shoe.
1: Not a very popular stance these days. No, that is not. But that is not. Dan, Dan said, on th- Barry, by God, Switzer. Dan said on the text line, Barry hasn't liked Brent since the Gundy deal. He's said other things this year, too. I don't know how much truth there is to that either. I just know, look, there's there's always beef. I I covet anyone who can live a life completely free of beef. There's always beef no matter what walk of life you lead, Steely. Where's the beef? Sorry. That went right
0: over Parker's head to the old Wendy's commercial because he was. No, I, he, I, I know those commercials. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just kind of looked at me like The really? beef is everywhere. It, it is everywhere. Have you looked at Twitter lately? I mean, well, you were involved in beef uh, last night. Yeah, because these days you have an opinion. Guess what? You got people beefing mm-hmm. with you. People have. This reminds me of a Styx song, Too Much Time on My Hands, because people are tweeting all the time. All the time. Nobody needs to know every single thought that you have. Just my opinion. But, again, I'm the old man, so what do I know? Okay, yeah, and I will tell you some old-school uh, Sooner people are still a little perturbed, some of them a lot of bit, a lot of perturbed, about the Kale Gundy deal. They didn't like how that went down. They thought Kale was sold out. And
1: I think that's fair. Yeah. I think it's fair to have an opinion there that – is critical of the way that Oklahoma went about that situation. Again, I just – one of the things we've lost the capacity for is respectful discourse. Mm -hmm. And that's – I will say I appreciate that about Barry Switzer's statement. He didn't go after anybody personally. He didn't make it sound like, oh, you know, my way or the highway. You disagree with me. You're an idiot. I had
0: somebody fairly close to that situation tell me, quotes. The problem with this thing is that Brent thinks he's perfect. He's not. I will not reveal who it was, but it's somebody very interesting. No, this was a long time ago. All right. Thank you to the last year home comfort systems. We've got to get out of here for hour number one. Stay with us here on the ref. Let's jump right into hour number two. Presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group, Paul's Valley, USA, Exit 72. You're looking for a car, a truck, SUV. Maybe it's a pre-owned vehicle. They've got a great selection there. Great guarantee. SESS guarantee of engines and oil changes for life on new used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. That's a heck of a deal. All right. This morning on McElroy and Kubelik in the morning, Paul Feinbaum was on Talking about uh, Oklahoma coming to the SEC along with Texas in 2024, here's what Feinbaum had to say about the deal that went down last Friday.
4: I think it lifts a veil of of, of uneasiness that's that's existed quite frankly since the announcement came out a year and a half ago. And and I, I read it in the commissioner's face the other day. I mean, he was relieved because this was obviously not easy. But I, I think I think when the news broke, it was one of the greatest moments in Southeastern Conference history because we're finally moving forward. Uh, w- w- this thing could not go in, in 2025 for, for many, many reasons. You know, Number one, it, it, was, it was just simply too long a wait. And secondly, I, I just think that with the Big Ten making its move uh, next year and the, Big, and the Big 12 making a move this year, the, S- the, S- the SEC had to have closure on this. And, and I, I think all fans ought to be rejoicing uh, with this news.
0: There you go, Paul Feinbaum on with McElroy and Kublik in the morning uh, on their program this morning. We bring in Jesse Crittenden on the uh, Riverwind Casino Hotline, Norman Transcript sports editor. So, Jesse, what does Oklahoma and the Horns getting to the SEC uh, a year earlier? Uh, we had all hoped that was going to be the case early, but what, do you, what does it mean for the Oklahoma football program?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the first thing, and 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 even you know, Porter Moser uh, kind of referred to it uh, sometime last week after the news came out. Was I mean, there's just there's a benefit in just having clarity. Now you know, uh, recruiting the the class of 2024. Now you know, you're selling. I mean, you're selling those those recruits that they're immediately going to come into the SEC. So I think I think it it does bring maybe you know some relief or just some clarity or or now you can really focus on what that class of 2024 – I mean, that, that class is going to be hugely significant in terms of being the first class that comes in um, to the program uh, as, as part of the SEC. But really, I think I mean, as much as anything else, obviously the SEC is going to provide uh, better opportunities. It's going, to it's going to provide more of a national brand, uh, more eyes are on the SEC than anything else. So, I mean, is going to benefit from all that, but I think the reality is I think they're almost going to benefit as much as just not being in the Big 12 anymore. I think it has continued to be uh, just a little uncomfortable, a little awkward since OU and Texas, uh, this, you know. See, and I think now it just puts everything into focus. Now, I mean, everybody in the Big 12 is, is aware that this is the last year OU and Texas are going to be – uh, in the conference, I think even when it comes to things like Bedlam, and now you know this is this could be the last Bedlam matchup coming up this next season. So I think more than anything else, on top of all of the benefits, and, and I think it just it just brings a level of comfort, and I think it it prevents this from dragging out longer than it has
1: to. Jesse, obviously, there's been a lot of discourse among the fan base as to whether the move to the SEC, especially on the timetable that it now appears to be on is a net positive or a net negative. There hasn't been as much made about the impact that this transition is going to have on the other sports uh, across the board for Oklahoma. And you don't got to go into every single one in detail, but as you look at the three, four sports uh, that are kind of second tier in terms of importance to the casual fan in and around Oklahoma, would you say that the move to the SEC is a net positive or a net negative for each of those sports?
2: I
5: think for the most part, uh, I mean, I think for the most part, it's it's mostly a net positive. I mean, start with um, with Oklahoma basketball, or with the OU men's basketball team. I mean, we're we're seeing very clearly uh, right now, and, and and even last season that the the Big Twelve. I mean, as far as men's basketball, it's elevated to the top um, of I mean of the sporting world, and OU is having an incredibly difficult time being competitive. I mean they're they're two and 10 in the conference now. They are in sole play or sole last place in the conference and OU has beaten three of its four SEC I mean opponents this season. So, not that the SEC is is a huge step down and not that there are teams that are good, but I mean, I think just from a uh, I don't think there's any end in sight for the Big 12 in terms of really being at the top of college basketball. But even th- for things like Uh, I mean, softball or even for baseball, I I don't know how much will change. I do think there is going to be, at least for softball, um, obviously the SEC and the Big 12, I think, have kind of been at the top um, in terms of competitiveness for softball. But I think the main focus for for OU softball now is going to be uh, increasing uh, the, the level of facilities and things like that compared to the SEC. The SEC has pushed a lot of money um into into softball the last few years so i mean i think overall it's going to be a positive but i do think that will be something that's going to have to be uh, addressed obviously the new uh, the new stadium is coming in um but i mean i think for everything else i mean ultimately i think it's going to be uh, mostly a net positive and i think specifically if you look at men's basketball just from not having to go through that gauntlet big 12 schedule anymore i think that's that's going to be worth it just from
0: that regard. Jesse Crittenden, our guest, Norman Transcript, sports editor. I know you've got Porter's media availability coming up uh, for the matchup with K-State tomorrow night uh, here in about 20 minutes. But I I want to talk about basketball and Porter's situation. He came in. uh, Everybody thinks it's a home run hire for Oklahoma. What he did at Loyola Chicago with the Ramblers was unbelievable. Uh, And you can go back to, you know, his previous coaching resume. Maybe not as great. Obviously not as great as it was at Loyola. But how do you think it's going to weigh out of the offseason if Notre Dame is truly as interested as people think they are in Porter Moser, how do you think he'll weigh the decision from, you know, the the standpoint of man, it's I know it's one more year in the Big Twelve, but man, it's the it's the best league in the country and I'm maybe damaging my reputation with another year at Oklahoma versus I've got a chance to jump ship here and go to Notre Dame, where it's it's still a good job and maybe maybe an easier job. Certainly,
5: I think that's the thing. Porter Moser hasn't been here that or, uh, in Norman that long, obviously. But even last season, with some of the ups and downs, I mean, they finished seven and eleven in conference play. They barely missed. It's not that everything was perfect, but I think there was still um from a fan perspective from an administration perspective was still i think some some positivity that that things uh, were on a good trajectory this year i think i think everything feels a little differently i mean they're 2 and 10 and uh, in big 12 play they're already below 500 with seven games left to go in the regular season and i think it's not just the close uh, i mean they started with a few close losses that i think were kind of similar to to last year but now i mean they're they're losing these games I mean, it lost to West Virginia by 22, lost to Kansas by 23, uh, lost to TCU by 27. they are just games where it feels there's almost like a feeling of helplessness. So I don't think it's necessarily that it's it's all doom and gloom necessarily. Yeah, but I do think there are starting to be questions about what the fit is going to be long term. I don't think anybody questions that Porter Moser can coach, but it, it is it is much different to go from Loyola. Um, to OU and a Big 12, and yeah, the SEC might bring a little bit uh, of an easier schedule, but the SEC has some good teams in it too. So uh, I think it's going to depend a lot on how these next seven games go. But they're not going to get six of their their last seven games are teams ranked inside the top 25. So if they can't find a way to turn it around, I think the pro- I mean I think Porter Moser, I think the program, I think everything from the top down is going to face a lot of tough questions.
1: Now, Jesse, J. Wright was a name that got brought up an hour ago, and it was somebody on the Air Comfort Solutions text line that was like, why don't they go hire J. Wright? And obviously, that's not going to happen. Uh, that's uh, shooting a little bit out of your league, even at a place like the University of Oklahoma. But one of the things that Steely mentioned in the brief discussion we had about J. Wright is that one of the reasons he retired, one of the reasons he walked away from an outstanding situation at Villanova is because he had kind of become disenchanted with the direction of college basketball. And in today's day and age where it's harder than ever for coaches to build and maintain a roster year in and year out, especially in a sport like college basketball, is that something that you worry about being a thorn in Porter Moser's side down the road? That is to say, is there a particularly easy facile path to dig yourself out of the hole that inevitably grows larger every time you suffer blowout loss after blowout loss. At, at what point do you worry about Porter being able to reverse the negative momentum at Oklahoma because of the ancillary challenges that surround him?
5: Yeah, no, those are all really good points. And that is kind of the reality. And it's, it's something I've, I've talked about before, which is that, I mean, call it it team building in college basketball, especially at a power five conference, let alone the big 12 is as hard as ever been for a lot of different reasons. But I think for, I think it also has brought to light maybe the importance of culture and, and schematic fit between a coach and a program and all those things. I do, again, I don't think there's any doubt in the world that Porter Moser is, is a good coach. Somebody that can coach would be successful at a lot of places. But I think at OU, I think we're seeing a couple of different things. I think one I don't know how much his his style of basketball, the way he wants to play a really slow, grind it out, out-execute the other team both sides of the floor, you know, slow pace, limit possessions. That just hasn't really, I think it hasn't been super compatible with OU so far to this point. I think the other thing is, I think he's going to have to find, I think he's going to have to kind of bite the bullet and accept that, uh, with the transfer portal gets a lot of the talk in football, but I mean it's starting to become more and more important in basketball. And I think as much as it's still important to, to get prospects and, and all those things out of high school, I think it's becoming more and more important to be very active in the transfer portal when it comes to beefing up your roster. We're seeing that with OU this year where uh, especially, I mean, getting beaten the paint, or you know, OU's big man facing other big men. That's that's commonly a place where they're getting hurt uh, against other teams who have really experienced, veteran big men, athletic, all those kind of things. Things that you can really only find through the through the portal at least right away. So ultimately, I do think in some ways it's still early, but this season I think has kind of gone off the rails for a little bit. There's not a lot of time to salvage it. And I do think there are going to be some things that Porter Moser is going to have to change, whether it's his style of play or whether it's uh, maybe getting rid of some of the traditionalism and and looking towards the portal.
0: Jesse, we appreciate your time. I know you've got to go and uh, run over to the media availability with Porter coming up here in about 15 minutes. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. Appreciate you guys having me on. Norman Transcript Sports Editor Jesse Crittenden joining us on the Riverway Casino Hotline. we got a bunch of really good texts rolling in on the Air Comfort Solutions text line as well, 405-651-3439. Comments on what Barry Switzer had to say about the Sooners and the SEC to Bill Haston and the Tulsa World. We'll get into that, what you guys have to say about it coming up. A lot of good stuff to get to, and we'll do it next here on The Ref. Okay, we're back. Thanks again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group, Exit 72, right there in Pauls Valley. And, again, great selection there. Anything you're looking for vehicle-wise, including pre-owned, they've got it for you. And oil changes, engines for life on new or used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. The Seth Wadley Guarantee. Air Comfort Solutions tax line, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. 34 39. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting day when some people are even coming after Barry Switzer. How about that? It's a rare occurrence in Sooner Land.
1: No beef is completely off the table these days. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, we talked about what, uh, what Coach Switzer said in the Tulsa World again to Bill Haston and the story that came out, uh, yesterday. And, uh, Again, if you're just joining us, Switzer said, quote, I'm concerned. I know what it'll look like. It'll look like we're playing Texas every bleeping week. You've got to be good. I don't know if we're good enough right now. We'll have to get better on defense. Uh, Switzer also said it's going to be hard to do. I'm concerned. I want someone to say or someone to raise their hand in a couple of years and say, I'm the one. I don't want to took us to the SEC. I don't know who made the decision. How it was made or who was involved, I think it's one of the major reasons why Lincoln left. He wasn't involved, so he got the blank out of here. People say they don't like the way he left. How did you want him to leave? You want him to call the team together and say, hey, I'm quitting. This is my last game. Now let's go out here and play hard. You don't do that. Why is OU going to the SEC? Money. Why did Lincoln Riley leave? Money. Words from Barry Switzer in the Tulsa world. All right, 405-651-3439. Sooner Gundy says, Barry's lost his mind. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's lost his mind. I think it's that's his opinion. Um, you know, you may disagree with it, but
1: there you go. Hey, by, by the way, you want a twist? This just hit the wire like seven or eight minutes ago. Mike Bray's not retiring. Really? <laughs> Hmm. Now, I don't know if that means he's still stepping down or if he just decided he's going to stay at Notre Dame, but Jeff Goodman reported it just a few minutes ago that Mike Bray has said he's not done coaching.
0: Wow. I, so, again, now,
1: now the natural follow-up question right, is I – take,
0: I take my prediction off the table now that Porter Moser will be at Notre Dame
1: next year if Mike Bray's not retiring – well, hey, if Mike Bray is still stepping down, though, albeit not retiring, then you know all these fans on the text line are going to start to make noise. We should just hire Mike Bray.
0: That's unusual. To think that he said it's going to be his last season, and apparently something changed. Maybe if there was some talk between Porter Moser's agent and Notre Dame, there was a breakdown there. Who knows? I mean, who really knows? But the bottom line is, if Notre Dame's not opening up, then I think Porter's going to be back here next year. Any speculation as to why Switzer would say these things now? What did he hope to accomplish? I think he was asked a question by Bill Hasten of the Tulsa World for a story, and he answered the question. That's it. Uh, and Switzer is not one to sugarcoat things. So, and that's his opinion. And you know what? He may be right. He may be
1: right. John Arnold on the text line says, "Are the Groves brothers the Achilles heel for Porter Moser? In my opinion, they should have been used as rotation guys off the bench, but that's hard to do because they're the hardest working, most passionate players on the team. It's sad for any coach to grasp that sheer talent trumps everything in the game of basketball."
0: I mean, they both are uh, hard nosed kids and play hard, but they are overmatched, particularly Tanner in this league. You know, at at that. At that spot. You know, sometimes, you know, I can go out and play golf against uh, my wife's brother, Kirk. And I might work my butt off to get my swing better. Guess what? He's still going to beat me because he's got a swing that's been dialed in for a long time. I don't. Sometimes the other guy's just better than you, right? In life. It's the way it goes. Well, that's
1: why. I I mean, we've started to say it more and more over the last week and a half i would say ever since it really became apparent that the oklahoma team that beat alabama was just not the oklahoma team that you could expect on any other given evening at a certain point if you're porter moser you just got to throw the system and the scheme out the window you guys and you just got to sit there and say look if we're going to win basketball games if we're going to have any hope of turning this thing around we need our best athletes to go make plays
0: And those guys need to have fun, Parker, playing a game, right? There needs to be some joy in basketball. And if you're playing that style, and if you're going to get blown out anyway, particularly at this stage of the game, uh, if you want to keep some guys on board, maybe you have to do that. Now, again, you can't run Billy Tubbs' system and expect to win with what they have right now, but at least I don't know how much joy is in that locker room right now when it's going this way, right?
1: It's only fair to wonder. Yeah. And, again, I think – Here's the sense I get, Steely. I get the sense that guys like Grant Sherfield, Joe Bamasiel, heck, even Milos Uzan, the more athletic players on this roster that are used to playing a more free flowing type of basketball, I get the sense that those guys are progressively going to grow more and more disenfranchised at Oklahoma because of the system in which they are confined. And I think if you just let those guys go, if you just said, hey, go score. Honestly, I think you'd be having more success than you are right now. Maybe substantially so. Because it's hard to imagine things sinking much lower than this for OU basketball.
0: Yeah, it's it's a bad deal right now. Understatement of the year. But those guys, again, you want to have fun. And I understand you have to work hard and be coached hard and all of that. But Billy Tubbs did that, but they had a lot of fun getting up and down the court. And, of course, they had – Athletes at a totally different level. But, you know, Billy had to start from somewhere building. And, and I'm not saying that Porter Moser can go out and run Billy's system or Paul Westhead system at LMU back in the day. But, um, it, man, that offense is hard to watch. Really well, hard to
1: watch. And, again, I, I still think Porter's a heck of a coach. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I'm not out on Porter as a coach. But I think the biggest indictment right now The biggest warning bell, the loudest warning bell, as it were, is the fact that this team has managed to turn close losses into lopsided losses as we've gotten deeper and deeper into the season. Mm -hmm. And at that point, when that's what you're dealing with, Steely, I think it's fair to question whether the players are still bought in.
2: Uh, Absolutely. It's the exact
1: same cast of characters that were playing with teams like Kansas and Baylor and Texas earlier this year. Now they just roll over.
0: Yeah, it's hard to point out a positive about Oklahoma basketball right now. It's very difficult to do. All right, you want to get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line? Love Coach Twitter, but as fans,
1: sick of these Big 12 matchups, ready to see better games.
0: I totally get that. And, again, here's the deal. You have a safety net going to the SEC now with the 12-team playoff. Oklahoma, if you're doing it right at Oklahoma, you should be in the playoff every year or at least every other year. If you're doing it right at OU with a 12 team playoff, love Coach Switzer, but his fans, again, like you said, uh, that guy, I, I understand what he's saying about better matchups and the Big 12 uh, fatigue. I'm not at all close to the situation from the 9 1A, but it just seems like Coach Switzer just doesn't like BV. I remember in the 80s, Switzer told Sports Illustrated something about. He had to deal with Texas and Nebraska every year, and that was enough. College football is different these days. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything personal there with with Coach Schwitzer. I know that he's a guy that's going to shoot from the hip and tell you what he thinks, and he's not going to sugarcoat anything. Uh, Somebody had texted in earlier, by the way, Brent doesn't think he's perfect. He's a very humble guy. Yeah, I'm just telling you what somebody, you know, that has been in the program, in the past, told me about the situation, and obviously he's in the Cale Gundy camp. I'm just relaying what he had to say. I, I don't think Brent thinks he's perfect either. And that was a horrible situation because I like Cale a lot. He's a great Sooner in this culture. And when you do what he did, like I said, unfortunately for Cale, he picked up that grenade, and that could have been used to give it, against OU in recruiting for years and years and years, you know?
1: On a different note, Gunny from Stutzman Army says, Steely, Thune, are you all baseball guys? Because it starts Friday, and I, for one, am excited.
0: I mean, yeah, to an extent. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm just doing cartwheels. But, yeah, I'm excited. Skip Johnson's done a good job. They've got, gotten on a roll right now. And hopefully they can carry that momentum from Omaha uh, to this season. We'll see. What about you? baseball guy
1: I'm big baseball guy mm-hmm. and i think what's encouraging is the fact that people have a reason to care about ou baseball now skip johnson gave him a reason to care about ou baseball when he took him to the cusp of a national championship a season ago and to me that's ou baseball is the perfect example of winning curing all ills right and With OU and their situation in the sport of basketball, we've talked about it. Until you start winning, there's going to be a very clearly defined ceiling as to how many folks you can get in the building and how many people you can get to care about your program. Yeah, no doubt.
0: All right, break time. We'll get back to more Air Comfort Solutions text here in a little bit. 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Center Women's Softball Team. Off to a great start. We'll talk about that. And what's up with Michael Hawkins? Parker had a chance to do a little scouting this weekend. We will get into that when we get back. Back with you. Good to have you with us. Thunder in action tonight, 7 o'clock. Paycom Center, in New Orleans rolling in uh, to OKC. What a great victory for the Thunder! Friday night in Portland, that was big time. SGA matched his career high with 44, had an unbelievable night, 16-2 run in the fourth quarter for Oklahoma City. One of the better wins of the year, 138-129. to I love this basketball team, and next year it's going to look even better. So it was a great win Friday night. Uh, New Orleans and Oklahoma City tonight, 7 o'clock at the Paycom Center. Rockets at Oklahoma City uh, Wednesday night, and then the All-Star break coming up this weekend. Great win for Oklahoma State at Iowa State, man. Uh, Mike Boynton has done an unbelievable job. They're doing it without Avery Anderson, too. And they have a huge game coming up. Tuesday night hosting Kansas. gallagher is going to be rocking for that game, 8 o'clock on ESPN. The Sooners host Kansas State uh, at 8 o'clock Tuesday night on ESPN. You have two games in the Big 12 tonight. Texas at Texas Tech, 8 o'clock on ESPN. West Virginia at Baylor, 8 o'clock on ESPN, too. Okay, back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Everybody wants to know about Sammy Brown, the linebacker.
1: Uh, I mean, he's visiting Oklahoma in early April. Yeah, OU's got a shot, but I think the kid goes to Clemson or Georgia, to be honest. I mean, that's a huge pull if Brent Venables and the OU staff can get him to commit to the University of Oklahoma. Because especially with him being a Georgia local – in Georgia's backyard with Clemson right up the road and the Bulldogs down in Athens having won two consecutive national championships. If you're going to outdo Clemson and Georgia for a kid in their territory that is a five-star at the linebacker position, oh boy, that is a statement. So don't count on it, please. Do not count on it. But he's going to visit Oklahoma at the beginning of April. Jay from Medill on the text line said, my son played in Plano in the 12U this weekend, so I could look on to the next field and watch Michael Hawkins. Parker, your videos do not do him justice. That boy was slinging lasers. Truly amazing.
0: Yeah, you caught him again this weekend, and I saw what you had to say, and obviously you're continually impressed with him. What is this dude talking about some rumor or something on the text line, and you're like, What? Um, what is going on with Michael Hawkins?
1: The, so which which rumor guy are you well, talking there about? there
0: was somebody who said something about it, and you said, what the heck are you talking about?
1: Oh, yeah, it's it's always, I, I've started to call him birds aren't real guy because mm. that's how much of a conspiracy theory ah, it is. Ah, okay. The, that Michael Hawkins had already lost his job at Allen heading into his senior year.
0: Oh, it's sad guy. Yes. Okay.
1: And so then he, um, he elected to transfer out. Because he didn't want to have to enter into a competition for his job that he was going to lose, Michael Hawkins isn't losing his job to anybody. I can tell you that much. Hmm. And it doesn't take a Rhodes scholar to see that.
0: So it sounds to me like you always thought he was a pretty good thrower, but he's becoming a better thrower every he's time you see He's become a him. lot
1: better thrower, man. And you can. So he works with Kevin Murray, Kyler's father and former Texas mm-hmm. A&M quarterback. That's yep. his trainer. And you can see Kevin's influence continuing to take root in the way that Michael throws the ball. Uh, it's a bit of an odd throwing motion in that he throws from the ear. And that's something that rubs a lot of people the wrong way. But, hey, it gets there, man, and it gets there with zip. And I'm not going to sit here and say that maybe the OU coaching staff won't want to try and tweak his mechanics a little bit when he gets to campus or where well, they might want to start that process uh, as he – Rolls in his senior year at Frisco Emerson. But um, a lot of folks aren't sold on Hawkins because of the throwing motion. Wonder if the deep ball is going to have the capacity to get there on time. Uh, to me, man, I'm very much of the opinion that if it works, don't try to change it. It's kind of like you Jim know?
0: Furyk's golf swing, exactly. right? He's, he's won majors, and he also shot 58, And I'm sure everybody thought, man, that swing's not going to hold up. And guess what? It did. Uh, by the way, speaking of. Tiger back on the course this weekend at Riviera. Doesn't have a great record at Riviera. And, of course, he had the, uh, the accident out there at the Genesis Invitational, Genesis Invitational at Riviera a couple of years ago. But Tiger is back in an event beginning on Thursday. Scotty Scheffler also wins the Phoenix Open again. Ricky Fowler playing better golf. A lot happening in the world of golf. But Tiger back on the course this Thursday.
1: Yeah. But, you know, I was, I was watching Hawkins this past weekend down at DR7 in Plano, and, oh, man, that kid just gets better and better and better, and he's got a cannon. He's got a legit cannon attached to that right shoulder, and it reminded me a lot of watching Jaden Rashada last year on the 7v7 circuit because, man, Hawkins just sits back there and flings it with total confidence. He's willing to put it in the smallest of holes, He can throw to all three levels of the field with equal aplomb. He can place where he needs to. And, you know, in in a seven-on-seven setting, you don't even really get the chance to see his mobility and to see the way that he can move around because obviously the quarterback is just passing. So this is the first offseason that he's played seven-on-seven. And, you know, seven-on-seven more so than anything else is an opportunity for a quarterback to showcase his arm because you don't run unless you're blitzed, and very seldom do 7-on-7 teams blitz. It almost never happens. And so I'm really looking forward to watching Hawkins' development over the next couple of months as he continues to settle into his element on the 7-on-7 circuit. But, man, I my hold up for the longest time with Hawkins has been the consistency, the repeatability, the fluidity of his throwing mechanics, and he just continues to get better and better in that regard and you see the results on the football field
0: 405-651-3439 air comfort solutions text line let's get back there again uh 405-651-3439 somebody said something about barry switzer oh switzer knows damn good and well what he said can be used against ou in recruiting he's either going senile or he's got a problem with the leaders of this program I don't know how many kids right now are going to be affected that are being recruited by what Barry Switzer has to say. And, again, that's no disrespect to Coach Switzer. I love Coach Switzer. He's awesome. Grew up with Coach Switzer. Loved his swagger. Loved the way his team's played. And I've always said, you know, people talked about him being a great recruiter, but he was a great X's and O's guy as well. I mean, you don't do win three national championships in a Super Bowl ring by not knowing what you're doing. He certainly did. But I don't know. Would anybody be affected by that? Hey, Barry Switzer said maybe this OU to the SEC move isn't great. Do You think they're going to get, they're going to first question probably with those kids, as sad as it is, would be who's Barry Switzer?
1: Right? That's probably true, Steely. Obviously, the listeners know who Barry Switzer is. Obviously, you and I know who mm-hmm. Barry Switzer is. But 16, 17, 18 year old kids, they probably don't know who Barry Switzer is. Mm hmm.
0: Look, maybe Barry wanted somebody besides Brent. I, I don't know, but I'll tell you this. I still think he has a love for the University of Oklahoma, but Barry Switzer, again, is a guy that he's – that's how he answers questions. Bill Haston did his story with him in the Tulsa world, and he basically said, I want to know who decided to make the move to the SEC. Somebody raise your hand. He said it's going to be like playing Texas every week, you know. Um and he doesn't sound like he's totally convinced it's going to be a great move for Oklahoma. That's his opinion. Bottom line, yeah, like and- I, like I said, I think the great thing for OU and everybody else, because yes, it's going to be a, a much tougher situation. OU fans get used to some eight and fours and seven and fives, or you just add a six and seven. But also, you're going to have a great chance if you do it right at Oklahoma with a 12 team playoff. You need to be in there every year,
1: or certainly every other year. And, moreover, folks, as the authority on all things senile, if Steely says Barry Switzer isn't going senile, he's not going senile. No. I think he's just being Barry Switzer. I I remember when Switzer spoke at the Selman statue unveiling this past fall. Dude's pretty sharp for being. What is he, 87, 88? He's
0: got to be – I think Barry might be in the 85, 86 range. Uh, I'm a Barry Switzer sycophant, but let us not forget he thought John Blake was the right choice to be head coach. Barry's not always right. Yeah, I mean, we're not saying he's some kind of a soothsayer. He's just giving his opinion.
1: Some of these kids' parents weren't alive when the King was coaching. That is mm-hmm. true. Yep. Um Oh, gosh. A lot of text poured in. Some of them are good. Some of them are not. I'm trying to filter through the detritus. Kendall said, anyone can pass the ball against dead air. Seven on seven is overrated. Kendall, you do realize there's a defense in seven on seven, right? Yes, he's not facing a rush, but he still has to contend with defensive backs and linebackers who are trying to get in the way of everyone he's throwing the ball to. It's not passing against dead air. Mm Mm-hmm. Passing against dead air is Arch Manning standing in Texas's practice facility and throwing routes to a single receiver streaking down the field.
0: One more before we get to a break. I would like to interject that Mike White is a loser. How embarrassing for Texas to employ that guy. Their softball coach with a game at Kentucky, when of the stall tactics, and how they reverted back to the previous inning and had a tie with Kentucky when they were down to 7-4, seven, seven to four, but he kept stalling and stalling. All you had to see was the bird he flipped. Last year. Yeah, the guy's not, uh, there's not a lot of class there. The king told the truth. Josie is a clown. That's the truth from an unknown Sooner source who just texted me. Hmm. Josie is a clown. I, That's I'm, a take. and I, I would disagree with the Josie is a clown take. I think he's the opposite of a clown, but he, uh, he says that uh, the king is telling the truth. The king is going to give his opinion. That's what he's going to do. He's not, like I said, he's not a sugarcoat kind of guy.
1: Oh, if people only knew some of the opportunities Josie has turned down to remain athletic director at Oklahoma. Look. I think that would settle the clown conversation.
0: Sometimes certain people who people think are 100% loved by everybody might rub somebody the wrong way. You know, that's just life. All right, 405-651-3439. We'll get to as many texts as we can before we get out of here. Good to have you with us on this Monday. Interesting stuff, as usual. You guys are doing a great job on the text line. One more segment to go. Keep it here on the home of Sooner fans, the ref. We are back. What's up, everybody? Thank you, thank you, thank you for some great text today. We appreciate it. We'll get a couple more in here in a minute. Riverwind Casino, thank you, as always, for sponsoring Our hotline, great promotions happening at Riverwind, uh, 75K, love to get away. Promotion continues. They gave away three $10,000 travel vouchers from Ray's Travel Saturday to three lucky patrons. And you still have a chance now through February 25th to play with your wild card and earn points. And you could win one of five grand prize awards of $5,000 cash. Five different patrons, not one, not two, not three, not four. But five different patrons are going to win $5,000 cash each when they have the drawing on the 25th. So get out there and play with your wild card. Keep playing with your wild card, and you could be a big winner. All kinds of other cash and bonus play up for grabs right now this February at Riverwind. They're going to have $95,000 in cash and bonus play given away, uh, plus prizes in the month of February. The Mad Dash for cash continues. Riverwind, You know, you can always win out there. You've got great everything. Bars, dining, service, promotions, concerts. Won't be too long before they get back to the Showplace Theater. And, of course, the Beats and Bites uh, outdoor concert series coming this summer. World-class hotel. Got everything happening. That's the reason why Riverwind Casino is simply the best. All right. 405-651-3439.
1: From the 918, thinking some... Folks on the text line never shut up or never shut off imbibing from Super Bowl Sunday. Another says, tell that dude calling Josie a clown that he can take his one-digit IQ and get back to playing tiddlywinks and drooling. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, from the 918, if Heupel can make Tennessee competitive, Venables can make OU competitive, and he's already beaten the SEC heavyweights while at an ACC program.
0: Okay, let's get a few more in, 405-651-3439.
1: This just in, old curmudgeons don't like change. Barry gave me the stink eye and a Norman blockbuster. I'll never forget that moment. Maybe
0: Barry was having a bad day. Are you calling Barry Switzer a curmudgeon? That is against the rules of the Sooner Ten Commandments right there. Be very careful, very careful.
1: Well, on that note, another listener said, probably going to make a bunch of people mad saying this, but who are we to question the king?
0: (laughs) Well, look, I mean, the bottom line is he may be right. You know, we don't know how this is going to work out. Everybody's excited to be in a different league and play more exciting opponents and go to different venues. And, again, the 12-team playoff is a safety net. But we don't know how this is going to work out. I mean, we think we do, but we're not sure.
1: So we'll see. And here's another great point. Peyton says, everyone likes to forget the fact that the mid 2000s, the Big 12 was the SEC of that decade. That's true. Texas, Kansas State, Nebraska's still good, Tech was good, et cetera. I mean, it's not like we've never played a hard schedule. That's really true. The Big 12 was. was,
0: It was the top of the mountain. It was.
1: Now, that shit. I think it was Tim Tebow's Florida that really started to get that swinging in the direction of the SEC. It was really about the time that Tebow and Florida were on the come up that. The Big 12 kind of passed the torch to the SEC as the premier conference in college football. But if you think back on it, pretty much everybody was competitive at one point or another in the old Big 12, save maybe for Baylor. Baylor was the one that was kind of the perennial seller-dweller, but Kansas State fielded some very good teams. Texas Tech fielded some very good teams under Mike Leach. Obviously, Nebraska, Texas, they were strong. Iowa State had a couple good programs here and there. Kansas their 2007 season of course everyone remembers where they went 12 and 1 won the orange bowl and received a vote as national champions so yeah big 12 top to bottom heck throwing Missouri they played for a couple conference titles top to bottom the big 12 was the best conference in college football in the early to mid 2000s no doubt about it no doubt about it
0: but you know, I still like the move for OU. Obviously, it is a, uh, a financial move. There's no doubt about it. But, uh, you know, times are changing, man. Like I said, there's a lot of things. Look, I'm old. There are a lot of things I don't like. I don't like, you know. Uh, the Spy balloons. I know. And we- UFOs also. Are we in the middle of Independence Day, the real thing? Can Bill Pullman be president? Because I keep seeing UFOs. They, the aliens are here. They're here. Wasn't it something? What, what, I thought it was one of Elon Musk's things. I don't know. But it, they keep saying UFO shut down. You know, and it could be anything.
1: But I believe the aliens are coming for us. Well, I mean, a UFO, if you really break down the terminology, it is an unidentified flying right. object. But I'm saying so- it's,
0: it's a flying saucer or some form of alien spacecraft, and we're going to be
1: involved in to a To be battle. fair, I could say I was just about domed by a UFO in Lubbock at Jones at and Stadium, because apparently it wasn't a battery. So if it wasn't a battery, then what flew by my head? An unidentified flying object, Seely. That's Steely. true. That's true. I'm just saying we better be on the lookout. Don't think
0: that i mean if a war of the world's broadcast starts on one of the networks this time it's not going to be fake all right it's not an orson wells deal
1: oh, stock up on canned goods and ammo <laughs> sean said gas cloud of toxic fumes over ohio but yes ufos have you seen that that is a bad that deal. is nuts
0: yeah, man is, it is a bad bad deal no doubt okay got to get out of here want to thank the seth wadley auto group in paul's valley And you guys, yeah, somebody said, please let Barry Switzer have an opinion. Yes. This society, where are we at in society today? The
4: editor who put it out there is garbage.
0: Makes me want to
3: puke.
0: The lack of civility. Everybody (laughs) has too much time on their hands and too many takes. Just sit back. You don't have to have a take on everything. Actually, we need your take, so let's get them going tomorrow. Got to get out of here. Have yourself a marvelous Monday locked in coming up next.